Welcome to the Sacred Window Podcast. My name is Christine Devlinek. The Sacred Window refers to the tender, magical, and remarkable weeks following the birth of a baby. A birth giver is forever changed. Recognizing that this time is too often overlooked and misunderstood in our modern culture, we're setting out to be part of a voice for change and growth. We're growing awareness and broadening the reach of conscious postpartum care. Our podcast features friends and colleagues as interviewers. We're a loving community united by a common passion to change the paradigm of postpartum care to one that honors women, birth givers, babies, and families. We're glad you're here. And I will never be the same. My interview with Isla and Amanda Stoylin was heartfelt and honest. Her strength and vulnerability in sharing about her abortion was an honor to bear witness to. Sacred window care is needed for a variety of reproductive and life circumstances. Her self-awareness throughout her process is inspirational, and I hope you find resonance, comfort, and a higher understanding from her story. I'm so pleased to be here today with Iselin Stoylin. Iselin was born and raised on a small island at the far south of Norway. Today, she lives just inside of Byron Bay in Australia with her husband. Um, Iselin works as a health counselor specializing in women's health, the menstrual cycle, and fertility awareness. Before entering this work, she's taught yoga for many years. Iselin's mission is to help women understand their body's innate wisdom, to find harmony within themselves and support them on their journey of optimizing health and true well-being in all aspects of life. She's a birth doula, a childbirth educator, a breastfeeding consultant, and perinatal nutrition educator, and she has a strong passion for nurturing and mothering the new mothers in the world. So we are in good company with each other. Um, and Eastland, I want to thank you so much for being here today with me. Um, today, she and I are going to be having a conversation about healing the self and accessing the sacred after abortion. And I just want to acknowledge and um, and thank you for being here to sort of share your own personal experiences of a process that um, that is very tender and often not recognized as much of a tender process as it should be in our culture. And so I just want to acknowledge the vulnerability that you may feel about this conversation um, and just offer gratitude to you for, for being willing to share and talk with me about it today. Mm, uh, thank you so much for, for that beautiful introduction and for, for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be talking to you today and, and sharing a little bit about my, my story. And um, yeah, I'm speaking about abortion, which is a topic that's really close to my heart. Um, but I also find that it's not something that we talk a lot about. Um, but I think, I think we need to change that. And I think it's, it's time that we do. It's so true. I think that um, you come from a unique perspective of, you know, having gone through an abortion yourself and also being in this practice of supporting women 
being a birth doula, um, really dedicating your work to, you know, women's wellness and health. Um, and I, I often find that those of us who are called to this work are called to it from a place of experiencing a lack of something in our own um, life experience. Um, and yeah, can you speak to that in terms of what has drawn you to do the work that you do? Yeah, I think, I think there's been many experiences in my life that sort of shaped me and and brought me to this path. And I think, I think a lot of it comes from looking back at my, my younger self and even just a couple of years ago and, and wishing that I had the knowledge that I have today. And um, yeah, just being able to, to share more openly and, and not feel so, I felt a lot of shame, especially, um, yeah, when I had my abortion um, and, and um, yeah, just felt like it wasn't something that should be talked about and wasn't always welcomed. Um, but also realizing when I, I did share with some of my close friends and, and, and even with some of my family that there were so many women around me who'd gone through this. Um, with with an abortion and also also in other areas of women's health I I had uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea for quite a long time many years which is period loss due to stress um, often from restricting your food intake and exercising too much and and other stressors in your life um, and definitely Feel like that was also for me it was a way of dealing with emotions that I didn't know how to deal with in any other way um, so bringing that all back to to nurturing um, learning to nurture myself and from there also wishing to to spread this and share this with other women um, yeah it's I love doing this work and I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to do that Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think you've brought up like several different sort of pieces of what I would love to talk with you about, you know, individually today. Um, but I, you know, to speak to your last point, I do feeling of the self um, in, in being able to serve other women and something um, there's something there, you know, of when we're able to, to give back to others, it helps to sort of create a sense of balance that was missing um, as we sort of rediscover what that balance can look like. Um, mm. So thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. I would love to start um, and really, you know, in our, in our conversations before this interview, we sort of, um, explored a little bit about like the the magnitude of, of finding out that you're pregnant um, and whatever way that looks like for different people. Um, I really love that you actually brought that up in, in, you know, terms of this conversation, because when I was sitting with that, I was 
actually like, you know, I was like, oh, wow, that's really going back to the beginning, but like, that's actually such a powerful moment that manifests so differently for different people. But I do feel like there's, you know, one element of like similarity for a lot of people. Um, and I would love to just hear you speak about the power of that moment of, of realization when, you know, you realize that you're pregnant. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was really big for me. Um, but also I, I found out, of course, through, I took a pregnancy test, but I kind of, I already knew um, just from how my body had changed. And I was only four weeks pregnant. Um, so it was super early, but my breasts suddenly gotten super sore and, and like big and I had really small breasts. So I was like, whoa, what's, what's going on? And I was just, and then, um, yeah, my partner at the time had been, um, been visiting and he was overseas so it was kind of I was really alone in it so there was there was so many mixed emotions in that moment of yeah finding it out and it was I felt in one way I felt grateful because I guess I got pregnant because I didn't have my period um and so kind of yeah I wasn't using any contraception I was tracking my cycle a little bit but that doesn't really work when you don't have a regular cycle and it was before I knew about fertility awareness and other signs um but for a long time I kind of I thought that I couldn't get pregnant um, I kind of just had that feeling and that idea in my head um and then suddenly I was pregnant and um yeah it was it was super emotional and I, I was crying and I, I called my mom and I shared it with her, um, which I'm really glad that I did. Um, and she was really supportive and, and there for me. Um, and my partner as well was super, super supportive of whatever decision I wanted to make and, and having children is something that we've, we've been envisioning, but um, yeah still didn't feel like this was the right time we were in different countries and not really having a solid ground and and somewhere to call home which I think especially maybe for women is is really big and, and for me I know that that's going to be so important when I bring if I, if I bring someone into this world and so the decision for me was really clear like I knew that I wouldn't go through with the pregnancy and um yeah very clear on on having an abortion a bit nervous and a bit scared and kind of yeah so so many different emotions um definitely a feeling of like guilt and shame in there as well um even though I'm 100% for choosing to have an abortion if, if that's what feels good to you um, but I think also the way that we're brought up in society, it's not, it really isn't something that we talk about, even if it's, it's okay and it's legal and it's accepted, it's, it's still kind of taboo. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I felt really alone in it, even though I had a beautiful partner um, who was supportive, but I was still physically um, alone and, and yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, that like, you know, a spectrum of emotions. I don't remember if that was your exact words, but um, 
Yeah, I, I really can resonate with that as well. And feeling afraid, mm. feeling surprised, mm-hmm. feeling, you know, overwhelmed. Um, and sort of how all of those play together. And I can imagine, you know, without having your partner there actually physically with you and having to sort of navigate this choice really on your own, you know, even if you have a friend or, you know, a mother who's, who's supportive of you. Um, I can imagine that that felt like something that you had to sort of carry on your own shoulders. Yeah. It, it very much felt like it was my own journey and, um, felt super fragile, but then there was also a sense of strength because I, I just knew that, I mean, I had to, I had to go through with it and I had to, to live through it and, and find my own way forward as well and and really finding in my in to my in myself to to forgive myself even though it wasn't necessarily something that needed to be forgiven but I still felt like there was something I'd done wrong so for me to really um yeah practice that and and acceptance and and loving myself in in what was a really difficult moment and period in my life how did you do that? Like, how did you sort of find um, a way to honor your experience? Um, I mean, I sat with it a lot in, in my meditation practice um, and just allowing my, my emotions to be whatever they were. I, I reached out to a few girlfriends who I, were super supportive and I, I just felt like I couldn't really be in it by myself I needed to share with someone and and it was just a couple of people to begin with um and then um yeah I've shared with more people later on but at that early stage it felt like it was still something that was really it was so personal and so intimate and um yeah so also kind of something I felt like I needed to protect in a way and and also the sense of of my body working and being able to to get pregnant and and knowing that as I move forward in life is really beautiful and I mean you never know if you'll get another chance but I I feel that I will um, I hope that I will um, and even just yeah having that experience was it was really sacred and beautiful um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's so beautiful to to hear you describe that as, you know, yes, like reaching out to to some people who you knew would be there for you, but also protecting like this, this thing that was yours, this moment, this experience, this, um, because it's, it is like a glimpse. It's like a, one of the experiences of motherhood is, is of conception and being pregnant no matter how long um that lasts and um, And feeling yeah I'm feeling really feminine and and very much like a woman and especially because I hadn't had my period regularly for so long and then suddenly there was this experience it's kind of you know you get your period and and if you haven't had your period regularly it's like oh wow this is really beautiful and and it definitely brings you into into your feminine and then 
I think pregnancy is like that amplified. And yeah. And so that for me is really beautiful. It is beautiful. It is mm. beautiful. And I like that. Um, and I can see how acknowledging that and sort of, you know, sort of self-messaging in that mm. way um, creates an opportunity for healing and integration that, um, that may not have been possible in that way without allowing yourself to really feel um, to feel that femininity, to feel that sort of treasure, you know, that experience and to um, acknowledge that sort of sacred process of, of, you know, menstruation and, you know, the whole um, childbearing, you know, mm. window, whatever, you know, phase of that window we experience, yeah. it's, it's powerful. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm. So you've talked to me about, you know, sort of your experience within the medical system. Um, and you, you know, this happened for you when you were living in Norway. Um, and sort of, you know, I, I live in the US and and we, you know, sort of really look to um, other countries, you know, such as Norway for, you know, all the ways that they support um new mothers, new families in ways that our country has not caught up to yet. Um, but yet there's still um, big gaps in how you felt that, you know, you were understood or heard. I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you sort of suffered in, in sort of the care of the medical system. Yeah, so we do have a great medical care system in Norway and if you go in and you want to have an abortion it's it's all free you don't have to pay anything which is great and it makes it available to everyone and I think that's yeah that's super important um, and I'm grateful to I was really grateful to be in a country who um, yeah acts like that and 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 has that available but I guess when I came in for the first consultation and I was told them I was pregnant and I didn't want to have a baby right now and I decided I wanted an abortion, I kind I also felt shame in a way, as if it was it was really my fault and I shouldn't have got myself in that position. And and also if I was really sure if I wanted this abortion, and you know you can. And then they were talking about different ways that new mothers can get support in Norway. And I'm like, yes, and I know, and that's really great, but I don't want to have a baby right now. Um, and there was just a lot of questions. And, and also during that first um, consultation, really pushing me to be on the pill or some other kind of hormonal contraceptive, which I know that I don't want to be on and it doesn't work for my body. And, but then also being met with kind of an attitude of being this irresponsible young um, girl who, I don't know what they thought, but I kind of, I felt like, um, yeah, I really felt shamed. And I was in a committed relationship, um, we were engaged. Like I, so I was like, it's just, it's, and no matter what, no matter what your situation is, I don't think you should be met that way. But it was so far from my reality, what I kind of felt like they, they thought and, and predicted 
Um, and also during during the actual abortion, I had I had the pills. So you know, you get one pill that you take orally, and then you go home, and then two days later, you get four pills that you insert up into your vagina, and then that's what bleeds everything out. Um, and I was just told, you know, you just here's the pills, you just go home and do like this, and and you just need someone to be with you, and you'll be fine. And I said, oh, I don't really have anyone to be with me. Um, I'm, I don't really feel safe at home. Can I, can I come here and 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 finish the abortion here? Um, and 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 I could. So I, that's what I did. But that's only because I'd been reading and I knew that if I wanted to, I could do that. Um, but then the day in between, so I had the first pill on a Tuesday, and then on the Wednesday I got really sick. And I called them and I said, I feel, I feel really unwell. Um, so I actually went to the hospital that Wednesday, the day before the actual, um, yeah, finalizing of the abortion and, and then had took the last four pills in the morning. And I mean, I'm so glad that I, I went there and I did that because if I, um, the plan was that I was just gonna take the pills at home and then drive to the hospital and finish the abortion there. So that's the option they gave me. Um, but I'm looking back and know there's no way I could have driven to the hospital um, after taking those pills. It took about 15 minutes and I was in so much pain. So much pain. I've, I've never, ever experienced anything like that. Um, um, yeah, so it was good. It was good that I was in the hospital and there was people there who knew how to look after me and giving lots of different pain medications and nothing really worked. And eventually I got the drip with morphine um, in my arm and, and that took away some of it, but it was still, yeah, excruciating. I, um, I think I was screaming um, for probably three hours. I had, no, I had no voice left at the end of that day. And um, it was intense, it was really intense. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my my hospital experience. So many good things and and some things that weren't that great, especially on the emotional aspect of it. Um, and really feel that we have some work to do there. I think a lot about um, you know when we train caregivers um, in in postpartum caregiving, there's a a big emphasis on you know, what we call these universal mother principles and it's, you know, simplicity and flexibility and compassion and listening and, and non-judgment um, among a few others. But um, I find it so fascinating how when we are in the postpartum window, but, but I think in, in this experience, it's just sort of really expands to this entire vulnerable, uber sensitive, place yeah. with sort of like the the air and ether like our you know our heart is wide open our senses are wide open and vulnerable and when there is a suggestion of judgment you know even if it's unheard or unspoken um it's felt you know yeah. so yeah. I think, um that's something that I don't believe people in the medical field are really trained in is how to actually hold space for people and how to actually understand the way that um, 
language and communication and, and love and compassion is actually shared and received. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, you know, certainly see that in the West, um, you know, in the United States, at least, um, and, and I think in any sort of area of care where we're supporting, um, you know, anywhere on the spectrum of the childbearing experience, um, yeah. that need for, for awareness of how to give that compassionate care, conscious care is, is so necessary and so obvious when it's not there. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, very true, I think. I feel that if you've, you've been through it as well, like you would know and it's obvious and I just, yeah, it amazes me that it's, it's not something that people are trained in and also in the care after and, and after an abortion, after miscarriage, we seem a lot more, um, yeah, people kind of reclaiming the postpartum period but I think that should also include when you have an abortion or you have a miscarriage, even if it's early on, that the woman really is, is in a postpartum state and she, she needs to be nurtured and looked after and she needs rest. And, and I also felt that, you know, the day after my abortion, it's like, okay, well, cool, it's done. Let's move on now. Um, yeah, now let's put this behind us. And, and I wasn't, there at all it took me months to process and cry and feel and practice forgiveness and really hold myself because as much as I really wanted other people to hold me I felt that they some of them they didn't really know how to and I also more than anything needed to hold myself mm. yeah this is really um you know, this is, this to me is like this transformational opportunity for awareness on the part of individuals going through something like this and individuals wanting to be of support. I mean, certainly um, there is, you know, this beautiful sort of reawakening of sorts of, of people recognizing that, you know, the weeks after babies are born is something to be really acknowledged um, and to be given its time and its sacred energy. Um, but also 100%, like there's, there's something very significant that the body has gone through after abortion, um, also after miscarriage. And I, I come from a, a several experiences of miscarriage and, and, really resonate with you of, mm. you know, not realizing that I should, or that I could actually take time. Um, of course there was like grieving. Um, but in terms of like physical time of like, my body needs something different right now than it did, you know, yesterday, yeah. um, or a week ago or two weeks ago, um, that was completely, off the table. So I think here we have this, you know, expansion on this awareness that we're growing for postpartum is, is really supporting all these different, um, you know, levels of experience. And, and for some people, you know, abortion and miscarriage may be gentler on the body than for another person, but regardless, this is a significant time. Um, and I'm curious, you know, for, for you, looking back on your own experience, what do you wish 
you had in place for you um, mm. that wasn't there? I wish, I wish I had a bigger support system of people who, who really knew how to look after me and just someone to tell me, you know, this is, this is what you can expect maybe and this is normal, this is okay and you're safe and you're held and you're loved. Um, just, I think I needed, I would probably need to hear that again and again and again during those days. Um, and someone to care for me also afterwards and cook me some meals and, you know, just, just do whatever I didn't really wanted to do or feel like doing. And I felt, because I felt really empty afterwards, relieved in a way and grateful for, for the experience in some ways and, yeah, and sad and, um, and empty as well. Um, and I guess just having, having support, having people, um, and also having knowledge. I mean, if I knew what I know today, it probably would have been a little bit of a different experience. Um, even though it's, I think it's always for most women, it will be painful to some degree. And um, yeah, it can be a really heartbreaking experience, but it can also be, there can also be beauty in it. Um, knowing that your body can have a, have a baby and that it is working and, and connecting to to the sense of, of what it means when you your body starts to produce a child and you step into the role of oh, I might become a mother or I have the potential of becoming a mother and um, yeah but back to your your question I think just um, yeah just more people and support knowledge um, it's it's very simple but understanding. Mm -hmm. yeah it is very powerful how how simple it all is um and yet how disconnected um modern cultures can be from the simplicity of what's actually needed um because mm -hmm. you know like you just said like you just needed people you needed people to be there and, and giving love to you um i i found for myself that there was a difference between you know, my husband giving me love um, and, you know, and giving support and actually talking to someone who had gone through something similar. There was like a level of, oh, I'm not the only one. Like she understands, like she knows what that feels like in her body. Um, and I am not like, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, I, I think for, you know, miscarriage, there's oftentimes like a fear of, I'm not able to do this. Like, I can't, you know, do this. Like, um, and I think that's so beautiful, actually your, you know, languaging of like, look what my body was able to do. Like there's that beautiful affirmation that you were able to really give to yourself. Um, whereas for me after miscarriage, it, it felt a little bit like, I, what if I can't, what if my body can't, you know, do this? Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, I really connect with you on that, um, that sacred piece of it, like whatever, you know, our, you know, differences, there's something very sacred and, and intimate and, um, mm. 
and powerful of sort of accessing motherhood in your body in that way. Absolutely. And honoring, it's important for me to honor that being that wanted to come into the world. So my partner and I actually did a little Zoom Zoom call and we said our prayers and we just said, no, we're sorry, but this is not the right time for us. Um, But we really want you to come back at a later time when we're more ready and, and having that, doing that together and having a ritual and, and saying some prayers um, was really, really profound and beautiful. And, and that helped me a lot. Mm. That is so beautiful. Mm. I, I really am so happy to hear that you were able to do that. And I think that that's um, another piece that I think a lot about is how when we can access significance and ceremony or ritual in whatever way it feels resonant for us, then um, there's like a, there's like a connection that's made. It's almost like a, like a kind of completion, um, a digestion. uh, And yeah, it's, it's powerful and it's so healing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So when you are working with people in your practice, you know, since you know you you have you know so many different ways that you are able to work with women in your practice on sort of their own um accessing their own empowerment of of their, you know their being, their, you know, their bodies and in whatever way they're experiencing it. Um, how, how do you find you're like most drawn to working with clients and what do you find yourself really? I, I think sometimes those of us who work with um, people, we sort of have this like one way that we're like, you know, drawn to um, almost like messaging that kind of keeps, you know, coming through and while I totally am guided by the individuality of each person, I think that I also find myself like really sort of repeating like things that feel so significant and most important to me. And I'm curious about if anything like that comes up for you when you're working with clients, either with through abortion or in other ways. Yeah. Um... So work, it, as you say, it depends how I work. It depends very much on the individual. Um, and it's, it's conversation. And it's, um, I mean, I'm a health counselor, and, but I work much, um, it goes much deeper than just, you know, looking at people's diets and, and exercise. Um, but I, yeah, work with, I guess, peeling off the layers and revealing um, new aspects of that person, but they to themselves, because they're, they're really doing the work and I'm there to, to hold space. Um, sometimes I hold space in a way of comforting and, and you know, saying that, sharing a little bit about my story, if that's relevant um, and being more like a nurturer and, a, and feeling like I'm, I'm there to hold them. Um, and sometimes often it's being a very clear mirror to the other person of 
of how they're living and, and their patterns and their habits. And people usually come to me because there's something they want to change. Or if it's someone who's got um, hypothalamic amenorrhea and they, they kind of, they know that they have a little bit of an issue with food and exercise and know that there should be, it, it might be so simple as eating more and, and moving less and stressing less, but they're not able to do it. And, and so our work together is, is finding out what's, what's blocking you, what, what's preventing you, why, maybe why are you still clinging to that? Because it usually gives people some say, form of, of safety and control. And how can you move beyond that? And, and I guess a lot of my work is also rooted in, in, in spirituality, if you want to call it that, and, and not being too identified with your physical form and, and me as like, a person and I'm Iseline and, and I do this and this and but but moving beyond that and 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 really diving into all the practices all the ways of living that supports your well-being that, and that really supports your well-being um on the in in the longer run not just um yeah short term so it's um, it's deep work at times. Um, a lot of my clients are you know, having big emotional journeys, um, um, but it's yeah, it's it's profound. It's deep. It's beautiful, um, challenging. Um, so my role in all of that it it depends on what the person needs and and where they're at. Um, if that answers your question. Yeah, that's so great. I really appreciate hearing all of that. So what I, what I take, you know, from listening to your beautiful explanation is, is that you really are helping them to discover for themselves pieces of, of their own journey that, you know, where am I blocking myself? Where am I, you know, and I think that, um, what I love so much about that is, is it's when we're able to sort of access things that were maybe unacknowledged or, or hidden. It's sort of like, you know, in the Ayurvedic perspective, we, you know, there, there can be blockages, you know, and until that blockage um, in the channels or or wherever is, is released there, there can't be a flow. Um, So I really appreciate that. And I also acknowledge that for so many of us, um, that can feel really vulnerable or, or like, you know, I think in our Western medical understanding that um, that's not actually even acknowledged that, that that would even create, um, you know, physical symptoms or, you know, or, you know, ways that the body experiences life um, could be affected. And so um, I, yeah, I just really encourage all of us to really look deeply at having those conversations with ourselves, with our, you know, he, you know, healers that we go to, um, and really using that as like an invitation to experience health and healing on a more transformational level by really sort of peeling back those layers. Yeah, exactly, and it really. I mean, it really also comes down to to applying and knowing how to apply the things that you do know, because most of us know what we need to do in order to be healthy and to be well. Um, but if 
if you're not really living um, living those teachings and what you know then it doesn't make much of a difference but that's also very easy to say but then how do we actually do that and we need to really go inside and and, and take a deep look and 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 go through those processes and so we can yeah really embody the things that we do know and the things that we believe in and and allowing allowing ourselves to be well and to to be healthy and uh, opening up to that what is an example of how you have experienced that in your own healing journey of sort of peeling back your own layers to access something that helped you to heal more fully um well, I've had, when I was younger, I had a really big journey with food and I got really sick with an eating disorder, uh, anorexia. And, and yeah, it went on for many years. And I think also for a long time, I really, I, part of me really wanted to get better and I knew what I needed to get better, but I couldn't do it because if I did it, if I started to eat and kind of allow myself nourishment then what came with that was also a lot of emotions and anxiety for me and I didn't know how to sit with that and how to be with that and allow that and and really how to to make sense of it so and took me many years to to feel like I was ready and feel like I just I wasn't living so I, I needed something different and I didn't know what that would look like but I also couldn't keep living the way I was um so my I guess my healing journey is it's had so many that's so had so many layers to it and so many different processes and and being open sharing has been one part of it eating more and sitting with the discomfort and being with that and allowing that and understanding eventually that anxiety is not going to kill me and my emotions are not dangerous um and doing it again and again and again until at some point it got easier. And, and I mean, still today I have, I can have my moments where it, if, if things are difficult in my life, I kind of want to go a little bit back and I have to pick myself up before I do. But because I'm, I'm so used to acting it that way. So I was, I probably was doing that for decades. So it's, it's easy for me to step back into that habit. And so picking myself up um yeah and then as I was healing and getting better and getting stronger I I guess I started to think more clear clear clearly um and also started discovering new parts of me that I really forgot about and things that I like to do and um, my sense of humor and that I could be a funny person and that I could be in a relationship and going out with my partner for pizza was more important than staying home and having my salad. There were so many parts to that. And, and I guess I've, I've sat with it a lot in, in prayer and praying to, to the divine and in meditation, but to my yoga practice, um, medicine, ceremonies. So in many different ways. And it's, it's a continuous journey. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, that statement of it's a continuous journey mm. because I feel like we just practice we practice at life don't we 
We practice at feeling healthy. Um, we practice at being connected with the divine. We practice at being good communicators with each other. Um, and I really appreciate that perspective as, as knowing that it's okay to feel like we've gone backwards in moments where we're vulnerable. Um, but what I was listening, you know, and hearing is this beautiful um, acknowledgement on your part of recognizing something was was really scary and doing it anyway, and then realizing that it was okay if it was scary. And yeah. then that moment being able to open up, like, it's like you took a step and then you were able to see the next step. Yeah. Um, and I really love that. And I and appreciate Thank you for sharing that um, example. You know, I think it's beautiful to hear how you practice with other people um, and also hear how you've been able to experience that in your own life. So thank you. Thank you. Now, so I want to add just my feeling, and I think many people can relate to this, is that we don't ever get there. And once you can accept that as a fact, um, it kind of it allows for for well-being right here and now because instead of chasing something it's like well right here and now can I allow myself to be well and can I and if you're not well then allow that as well but know that it's part of the process and and um, for me it comes back to a lot of of just being this and being fully connected and fully present and and whenever I, I am um I do feel well and I don't feel like anything is lacking. Um, but that's also, you know, it's a, it's a continuous practice and, and I can say that. And sometimes I'm really, it's really easy to practice that. And sometimes it's really hard. And also I think healing comes in waves. So even with my abortion, um, it can, it, sometimes it comes back and I need to go through another little grieving process. And um, yeah, but if I'm not resisting it, it, it becomes a lot easier. Mm. Mm. It is powerful. Mm. When you are working with someone who is going through an abortion, um, what are a couple of practical ways that you would want for her to receive support hmm. I I want her to again really have, have a good support system and have people around her that she can talk to and that might be me um with someone that she can be really honest with and and sometimes even because you, you might have a partner who's there and who's understanding and loving and and really wants to support you, but having someone who's gone through it, as we talked about, is is a very different experience. So having someone who's who's gone through it and who's out on the other side and and still living a really beautiful life and um, has made peace with with that as well, I think. Um, Having someone to take her if she needs to go somewhere to an appointment, to see a doctor, to go to get to the hospital, 
someone who's physically there who can take care of her and and also with maybe cooking and preparing some food or running to the grocery store I mean if you even early in a pregnancy then you might find that you don't really want to eat or you're nauseous or you only want to eat certain things I was eating crackers for a week before I had my abortion and I couldn't eat anything else so just those very practical things and then for her to have a self-practice in some way that supports her. And if that might be meditation, if that resonates, it could be prayer to, to God, if she's religious or to great spirit, to something divine, or just maybe even that's something within herself, um, something that connects her to, to a power that's greater, if that resonates. Some people might not find that that resonates for them, but um, for many women it does, and, and that can be really profound. Um, yeah, so those three, I think. Yeah. In your work, you, which I think is, uh, you know, another beautiful thing about your work is that you you really know so much about food and how food can nurture people, and the images of food on your website are so beautiful. And, um, you know, I I think particularly with the story that you shared with us about anorexia and, and almost, you know, the hesitation or fear of, of food. Um, when you are working with women who are going through an abortion, what would be, you know, a food that you would want for them to eat? I think, I mean, both before and during and maybe especially after I think applying what we know as the postpartum principles is really um, really valuable and um, so what first comes to my mind is like kitchery um, which most of you probably are familiar with and if you're not it's a it's a, an Ayurvedic dish from made from mung beans and rice and spices and ghee and it's super nourishing um, but anything that's um, warming and that's cooked, I would avoid um, anything that's cold and raw because we say with birth and it's the same if you have an abortion that it's a kind of a rush of yang energy that comes into your body, a rush of cold. Um, so you need to replenish uh, with the opposite. So bringing in warmth, bringing in nourishment. Um, I love offering, you know, beautiful herbal teas and milks and porridge soups and stews and lots of um, lots of liquids lots of warmth lots of nourishment lots of good fats to help you keep grounded and and support your hormones in your body as it's healing and repairing it i always find it so um astonishing that that at one time i didn't know any of that you know, mm. after the birth of my first son, all of that was really not something that I intuitively knew. It was like, I, I was so far removed from any tradition um, that it, I always find it refreshing to have those reminders um, and to be repeating them far and wide. So I really appreciate you sharing that um, because it, it is so true that 
food as our medicine um, during these vulnerable moments where we really need to be healing um, what we're putting into our bodies and the um, the love that has gone into that. So having somebody there who's able to help us prepare those things. Um, and I also, you know, feel like, you know, around all of that, like, of course we would want these things for every person who's going through this. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't happen. And, and I think, you know, what I always try to remember to share with students or, or people who I'm speaking with is, is, that we can access healing and care and sacredness for self um, in whatever way, in whatever imperfect way may be, um, even if it's not the ideal situation, even if there isn't somebody there who's cooking for us um, a beautiful, warm, fresh meal, um, that we always have access to it in some way. Um, yes. within the resources that we have within our own consciousness. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't have that and maybe you're able to do a little bit for yourself and if you're not, then that's okay. And just letting that go as well and bringing in self-compassion and self-care and, and that will take different forms for different people. Mm-hmm. So these are just you know tools and principles that we can apply if, if it's possible and if it's not then will it, it will still be fine i mean i didn't know these things when i had my abortion and, and i'm fine and i recovered well after so yeah so i i just want to thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me today um and before we go um i will add that i i will be putting all kinds of great information about Eastlene on our show notes um, so you can learn more about her. But um, I would love to ask you, you know, in closing, how do you access um, or reconnect with the sacred um, in your everyday life? Maybe it's at a time when you feel depleted or maybe it's a time where you're just savoring sort of the celebration of feeling good in each moment but what is one way that you access the sacred Mm, thank you i love this question um it's it's staying connected to to source is or god um for me is it's everything it's and it is something i do practice as much as I can all day and fine, especially in the mornings. I have my routine. I'll, I'll get up and I'll, I'll do my my little um, brushing my teeth and tongue scraping and I'll make a beautiful herbal tea and I'll usually sit outside and meditate. Um, might have a little bit of hape, sacred tobacco, which for me is just super, it's super beautiful and, and balancing and um, and then I usually step on my yoga mat um, and have my practice. And, and in these moments, I, yeah, definitely um, something I do because it allows me to access that part of myself and to connect um, in prayer and, and even speaking my intentions and my wishes and my gratitude out loud and, and really putting it into words. Um, and it's beautiful 
and also I mean being in nature and we we, we live in, in nature and surrounded by na- uh, rainforests so applying that and it's it's quite easy here um, in a way so which I'm really grateful for there's a few things but yeah thank you so much I can tell um having shared this this time with you that um, your caregiving and your presence um, in a moment of vulnerability or on a healing journey for someone would be so beneficial. So mm. thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been an honor. bring something sacred to your current window of time? What do you have to offer to someone within their sacred window? We honor you for all you give and for who you are. Thank you for listening. The Sacred Window Podcast is brought to you by the Center for Sacred Window Studies. You can visit us to find out more about our online training and mentoring programs, plus resources and products for and about the sacred postpartum window at www.sacredwindowstudies.com. Editing of our podcast recordings is done by Sienna Butler, and our music is written and performed by Sarah Emmett. You can hear more of Sarah's music by visiting www.sarahemmett.bandcamp.com.